T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. Take the Alexa speakers. Take your tablet. Take your Walkman. Take your LaserDisc. Your Palm Pilot. Whatever your device is. Just download it on something to catch us when you're on the go. Social media, find us at 9th on the Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Let's see. Let's spin the wheel of roulette as to who's producing tonight. And it looks like it's Day Day back here on a um, on a Tuesday. So Day Day is hanging out uh, with us here. So uh, at least he can name three movies from the 1980s, right? So anyway, uh, he's got that going for us. We uh, get ready for Braves baseball coming up here in about 15 minutes from right now. Uh, 7.40, we will talk to our guy, Bob Nightingale, our Odyssey MLB insider. We're going to be talking to Bob weekly now as uh, we move through the end of September here into October as we get ready for playoff baseball. So Bob Nightingale is our Odyssey MLB insider. He will join us coming up at 7.40 this evening. We uh, await Braves taking on the god-awful, disgraceful, pawn-scum Sludge muck of the earth, Washington Nationals. They are 45 games below 500. They've only won 51 games on the season. They're 45 games below 500. 
We'll talk about their starting pitcher here in just a minute. But Charlie Morton on the hill uh, tonight, headed toward 200 strikeouts. You know, listen, he's kind of bounced back. Um, you know, a little bit of a rough patch of this last three, four starts, but um, still figuring some things out. Uh, Ronnie and Wright, Dansby Riley, and then Olsen Darno Contreras will DH tonight. Harris Grossman and, of course, Vaughn Grissom at second. Obviously awful news. I guess we know Grissom's going to be at second base now, so we're not going to have that debate about where he's going to play or whatever because, obviously, awful news with Ozzie Albies. Very interesting to see if and when Ozzie comes back. I have this sneaking suspicion that even if he's almost ready, I, I think that he'll sit out a first-round playoff series. That's what my gut tells me is that he won't play in a first round, and they'll get him rested up for for the next round of the playoffs out there. But Grissom will handle the duties at second base uh, like he's doing. Um, Grossman's actually had some nice production, if you look at his numbers uh, here versus what they were in Detroit. He's actually had some nice production. And I'll say this. I'm going to ask Bob. I'll I'll go ahead and tease one of the questions I'm going to ask Bob. They need to petition Major League Baseball and and tell baseball to tell the Baseball Writers Association of America that Strider and Harris – need to share the Rookie of the Year voting. Because here's the thing. There is not a compelling argument as to why one of those guys should finish second. Listen to what I'm saying. There's not a compelling argument as to why one of those guys should finish second. Michael Harris is potentially going to be a 2020 guy. Strider's got 200 strikeouts. Harris hitting 300 playing gold glove center field defense. Strider's unhittable. Neither of those guys should have to take a second-place finish. Now, I know they got a vote, and there has been, by the way, split rookies of the year before. There's, it's happened once in the American League, once in the National League. The one time it happened in the American League was Alfredo Gar- uh, oh, sorry, Alfredo Griffin, uh, shortstop, um, and I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. I know the National League was Pat Zachary, and I think it's Butch Metzger was the other guy that uh, one was a reliever, Zachary was a starter, of course. I think he played for the Mets later on in his career. So it has happened before that we've had co-rookies. We've had co-MVPs in the in baseball, right? 1979, Keith Hernandez and Willie Stargell, we are family. They split the MVP uh, trophy. Strider and Harris should both, not one or the other, they both should be the rookie of the year because they're so far ahead of everybody else. There's no argument to be made as to why either of those guys should finish second. So we'll get Bob on the case to petition the writers because I know he's a baseball writer, Hall of Fame voter, and all that kind of stuff. So we'll put that nugget in his head. So on the mound tonight for the Nationals, the god-awful, disgraceful, despicable, low-life, scumbag Nationals, Patrick Corbin. How many times have we talked about Patrick Corbin? He is the worst starting pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. Day-Day, his last two years, listen to these numbers. Mm-hmm. His last two years, he is 15-34 and 34 with a 5.95 ERA. Last year, he led the league in losses. This year, he already leads the league in losses. He has 18 losses. He's 6-18 and 18 with a 6.11 ERA. He leads the league in most hits given up. He leads the league in most earned runs given up. 
He also led the league last year in most earned runs given up. Last year, he led the league giving up 37 homers. This year, he's given up 27 homers. And he's had 124 strikeouts in 147 innings. Go all the way back, way, way back in your time machine, all the way to 2019. Well, how far back is that, Daddy? Is it like 15 years ago? 2019? No, not at all. It's, huh? No, it's three years ago. Three years ago. Okay, three years ago, he pitched 202 innings and had 238 strikeouts. In 2018, he pitched 200 innings and had 246 strikeouts. He averaged 11 strikeouts a game over a two-year period. He's not even at eight anymore. And he's only 32 years old. He's got 18 losses, an ERA over six, the most hits, the most earned runs. His whip in 2019, his whip was a 1.183. That's a terrific number. His whip the year before was a 1.050. That's an outstanding number. His whip now? 1.663. That's a dreadful number. That's a dreadful number. Less than three walks, or less than three strikeouts to every walk. He is the worst starting pitcher by far in Major League Baseball. He's awful. And you know what, Steve? Ask me, Day Day, Mm -hmm. ask me about his contract. uh, What's the deal with his contract? They owe him $60 million dollars over the next two years. Let me repeat that. They owe him $60 million the next two years. Ooh. They still have $110 million that they owe Steven Strasburg, who has made exactly nine starts since he signed that contract, and they have $60 million that they owe to Patrick Corbin, who has lost 34 games the last two years, with an ERA, a cat whisker below six as a starter. How awful is that contract? That's, let me tell you, I defy anybody to tell me a worse contract in professional sports than Patrick Corbin with two years and 60 million owed to him left. Because he has two at 60. Now, it's not 30 and 30. It's like 24 and, you know, 386 or whatever like that. Two for 60 is what they owe him still on this contract. P-U to all of that. So I fully expect the Braves to win tonight. Go out and kick the crap out of them. The Mets, by the way, are in Milwaukee. They beat the daylights out of Corbin Burns last night. So Carrasco's on the mound for the Mets tonight. So we'll see what happens there. We'll keep you up to date all night long with Braves baseball as uh, they're in Washington. Falcons, you know, we'll talk about this more coming up in the next segment, so I'll save all my thoughts on that. Look, they fought. There's a lot of good things coming out of the Falcons right now. But as I was saying to Carl and Mike, that the NFL, like it or not, whether you think this or not, it's a net result business. And if you're 0-3 and you come back home, you're not going to rally people to come out and say, well, we're, we're almost winning. You need to put a victory 
in that win column so that you go to ESPN.com. You can click on the NFL because here's what's great about the NFL. No BCS computers, no Harris poll, no selection committee. You either win, lose, or tie, and that will determine where you are going to be. So Falcons need a win. We'll break everything down from what we saw on Sunday. First chance to react to, to everything. So we'll talk about that coming up here in the next segment. Quickly, too, ESPN has their ranking of the top 100 players heading into this NBA season. So plenty of Hawks. Bogey as at 100. Clint Capella comes in at 79. Uh, John Collins comes in at 73. Collins is one of the league's premier uh, posterizers who will dunk on anyone in his path, and it's fun to watch. The man wore a shirt of himself uh, dunking on Joel Embiid in the playoffs in 2021. He's more than just a dunker, but, man, is it fun to watch him terrorize NBA rims. And then um, DeJounte Murray comes in at number 42. New face in a new place. Atlanta played a, uh, paid a pretty price to get Murray from San Antonio. Um, when Trey Young sits, Murray can run the show. When they share the court, he'll still show how effective he can be. Now, we don't know where Trey Young is just yet because they've only gone up the number 26. So tomorrow they have 25 through 11, and then they'll have 10 to 1 the following day on, what is that, Thursday out there. Where do you think Trey Young is going to fall? Is he going to be in that 11 to 26 range or the 1 to 10 range? And what's the title of the list again? The Most top 100 players in the league. Current active players mm-hmm. in the league. Mm-hmm. He's got to be top top 10. I would think he is. I mean, here's what I know for sure. LeBron's going to be in the top 10. Giannis is in the top 10. Yep, Steph is in the top Ste- 10. Steph, KD, Luka. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll put probably. They'll I, probably throw Kyrie in there. Yeah, well, I don't know if they'll throw Kyrie in. I was going to say Harden, but I'm not even sure that he will make yeah. the top 10. They may dr- throw Tatum in there, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, Tatum will make the top 10. Um I don't know if they'll put Chris Paul in the top ten, but he'll be close. Oh, well, if, they, if, well, you know what, Jokic, we were Joker's Jokic, top Jokic, ten. Jokic, okay, uh, he's top ten. So Trey, Trey Young, could be. He could slide eleven to fifteen. Yeah, he he might be in that eleven to fifteen yeah, kind of range is yeah. where Trey Young will probably end up. So we'll see when it comes out tomorrow, number twenty five through number eleven, and we'll see where he checks in on all of that. All right, when uh, we get back, thoughts about what the, we saw Sunday from the Atlanta Falcons. Still a lot of good that we're taking away, but sure would be nice to find a way to win. It's all next. Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you, the John Chuck Show, live in the Key Studios Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line open and ready for you. Odyssey app site, catch on the go. Social media is at 9th on the game. I'm at JMCH316. Hey, the Cash the Ticket is the podcast that helps you bet smarter on both pro and college games. Host Mike Valenti and Jim Costa set the stage for the weekends of football. Follow the Cash the Ticket for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. New episodes hit every Thursday and Friday. 20 minutes from right now, we'll talk to um, Bob Nightingale, our Odyssey MLB insider. We'll have our usually bi-weekly. We're going to start doing weekly conversation with them as we head toward the playoffs. So that's coming up at 740. We will also at 820, we'll talk some college football with Chris Vanini. He is the national college football writer for The Athletic. So we will talk to him at 820. Braves underway. We'll see how Charlie Morton does tonight. He could certainly use a good start. Speaking of somebody who could use a good start, that would be the Atlanta Falcons. All right. Here's the thing. I'll give the Falcons credit. They got down at one point, obviously, it was the 28 to 3. Oh, God. And they fought, scratched, and clawed their way back. Did I think they were going to win that game? No. But I'll give them credit. Would have been very easy. Already on the West Coast, short trip up to Seattle, right? You know you're going to be there all week. Get ready. It would have been very easy to just run it out and be done on Sunday. But I'll give them credit. They fought and scratched their way back and put pressure on the Rams to have to go out and try to make some plays and only lost 31-27. So they covered. They're 2-0 against the spread so far this year. But that first half was ridiculous how bad it was. They didn't do a single thing right in the first half. I mean, nothing right in the first half. Zilch. And you can't come out like, you you know that the Rams are guns blazing going to come out, right? Because they have to win, you know, historically, and I understand it's a different era because of the expanded playoffs in 17 games. But nobody that went 0-2 made the playoffs last year. And since 1990, if you're 0-2 to start the year, you only have an 11% chance of making the playoffs. So that was do or die in a lot of ways for the L.A. Rams. You know they're coming out guns blazing. You got to slow things down and make some plays. They didn't do any of that in the first half. Nothing. And that's why they were down 21-3. And then eventually got to 28-3. Red zone was not good in this any other. So here's a few takeaways, because there is good things, okay? I was glad to see Tyler Algier. I literally said earlier in the week, 
you know, eight to ten carries. He got ten carries. Did he do anything outstanding? No, but he picked up 30 yards with a long of nine. That's fine for his NFL debut. Wasn't expecting him to run for 125 yards in his NFL debut and score four touchdowns. So at least he got off the schneid with 10 carries. They ran the football okay. You know, Patterson averaged four yards an attempt. What have I said all, you know, all for the last six, seven months? Let me see you get four yards an attempt as a running back. That's the magic number. That'll tell me what your offensive line is doing. Marcus Mariota, if he doesn't have to read a defense and go through progressions and just make a one read, react, and throw, you're fine. If he's got to read a defense, you're in trouble. Again, a couple nice plays here and there, but it's a reminder of both why he was the second pick in the draft and why he's also been on his third team in seven years. Now, turnovers, that was a problem. Look, I know everybody's fussing about Kyle Pitts' targets and all that, and I get that. The only place I'm fussing about it is red zone because it's two games and he has zero targets in the red zone. Okay? that's If you're going to tell me again that we passed on Panay Sewell, who graded out the week before as the third highest graded out right tackle in the NFL, if we're going to pass on Micah Parsons, who, what was the thing I saw on Sunday? He, like, has the most sacks to start a career ever for the Cowboys or in the NFL. Some crazy stat. If we passed on all of those guys, then you damn sure better tell me we're going to find a way to get him the football. And so I'm crystal clear on this. This is on Arthur Smith. This is on Marcus Mariota. And this is on Kyle Pitts. It's on all three of them. It's not on one of them. It's on all of them. It's not acceptable to have my number four overall draft pick pass catcher with no targets in the red zone. Look, Drake London got 12 targets in that game. That's why Pitts doesn't have a whole ton. By the way, Pitts has 10 targets on the season. He's only got a 40% catch percentage on those 10 targets. And he has a 10% drop rate on those targets. So even when they target him, They're not making enough plays. He's not making enough plays. Everybody's not making enough plays. And if you're going to sell me on Pitts and London, what a difficult matchup for teams. Well, when does that start? When does it start being a difficult matchup for teams? Because so far it's not been that difficult of a matchup. We haven't crushed it in the red zone if you haven't looked. Young Way Koo's had a nice start to the year, right? He's had a good start to the season. He's on track for another Pro Bowl caliber season, right? That's not where I want my first Pro Bowl player to come from is my kicking game. They have to find a way to target Pitts. He has to find a way to get open. Marcus Mariota has to find a way to get him the football. It's all three of them, folks. It's not one. It's not the other. It's not a combination. It's all three of them have to figure it out. To Arthur Smith's point, yes, it's not fantasy football, as he said in his post-game press conference, but – If you're going to win games in the NFL, an unused weapon is a useless weapon. And right now, that's what Kyle Pitts is. I'm okay with three targets everywhere else. None in the red zone, that ain't going to work. That number has got to drastically increase. 
If you don't want to throw it to him anywhere else, at least throw it to him when you're in the red zone. I was a little bit disappointed that they couldn't sack the quarterback. After the Rams, yeah, well, they got one sack, I guess. I take that back. They had the one sack. But after the Rams had given up all these sacks, and then they had multiple guys starting their first starts on the line, and then one of their guys got hurt and had to be taken off the field, you'd have thought there'd have been more sacks. And here's this, this is where I'm at with this, okay? They need to win on Sunday. Because if you come back 0-3 and you trot out, with all due respect, Marcus Mariota and the same band of guys, and you're 0-3 coming back home in a game that you're not going to be favored to win, and it ain't like Deshaun Watson's going to come back and play in his hometown, that building is going to be as stale as four-week-old bread. If you're going to tell me, look, I'll, I'll say this. If they're 0-3 coming back here to Atlanta, and I think the offensive line has played pretty well, and they have some form of running the football, I'm okay to start Ritter in game number four. I'd be okay with that. Now that you've proven that your offensive line can do some blocking, now that you've shown that you can run the football with some effectiveness, then I'm okay with starting Ritter. But if you're 0-3 and you come back here and you just trot Mariota and that merry band of guys out, ain't nobody going to rally around that. Nobody. That, that's not how you're going to rally the troops. And you can say, again, I know there's some people in this town that talk about, well, it's not going to be measured on wins and losses. I agree with you. But if Arthur Smith is 1-24 between this year and the start of next year, he won't be around here very much longer. At some point, if it was easy enough to say just flip a switch and win, every team would do that in the league, wouldn't they? No coach would ever get fired. No one's expecting this team to win a whole bunch of games, but if you have the opportunity to win, you have to show your fans that you can win. This is a winnable game on Sunday. The the Seahawks are averaging 12 points a game. They're giving up three touchdowns a game. This is a winnable game. Even in their building, it's a winnable game. So that means you've had two winnable games in your first three because I don't think last week was as winnable as some people. I know they came back. That was a desperate Rams team, and you knew that going into it. I'll tell you who else has got to step his game up. A.J. Terrell has not had a very good couple of weeks in this start of the season. He's And I understand he's had Michael Thomas. and I get all that. But guess what? That's what they're going to pay you number one corner money for. That's what they're going to pay you Jalen Ramsey, Darrell Revis kind of money for. It's because you're supposed to be that number one corner. He hasn't had a great couple of weeks. I'll tell you who has played really well, Michael Walker. He's played all but one snap on defense in the first couple of games. He's got an INT. He's got a sack. He's got tackles. He's showing this coaching staff why, and he's showing why he deserves to be on the field. And he, last year, Day-Day, ask me what percentage of snaps on defense Michael Walker took last year. How many did he take last year? We criticized Richie Grant for only having 20, 25, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Michael Walker had 16% of snaps on defense last year. Wow. He's at, he's at 99 this year. He's played all but one snap this season on defense, of their defensive snaps. 
He's been terrific, and he's graded out yeah, very well like, against the pass. Pease has really figured out how yeah. to use him. And that's yeah. why you put the green. And, and let me tell you what else. With Troy Anderson, with him making a play, Rashawn Evans making a play, Michael Walker making a play, guess who doesn't fit into their scheme and system right now? Ask me who, Day-Day. Deion Jones? Deion, yep. <laughs> Ask me who's not going to play for the Atlanta Falcons in week five. Who won't play for the Falcons? Deion Jones. <laughs> They'll find something. Why do you think they restructured his contract the way that they did? Why do you think that they magically he just went back on IR, huh? After he played all that time against Jacksonville, huh? And and they why do you think they manipulated the time when they had his surgery performed? There's reasons for all this. But there are plenty of good things to take away. Listen, I'll tell you who I'm really starting to like. Kaderil Hodge. For whatever reason, I'm really starting to like this kid. I, again, I'll give him and Zacchaeus credit. They're making some plays out there. Those guys are ham and eggers, and they're making some plays. I'll give them credit. I think Hodge has made some really nice catches for this team. Now, let me tell you what else you better start be paying attention to. Drew Dolman is starting to grade out as one of the worst centers in the NFL. Yeah, it wasn't, and he it wasn't snapped a good it, look. You yeah. know, snapped it to a guy in motion. Yeah. Hit a guy, you know, hit pits in the leg when in motion. We'll talk more about that in the Falcons flyover because I'll have some of the grades for you. But you better start watching because they they need Dolman to figure some things out there. So I'm I'm happy with what they're doing, but you have to close it out on Sunday. You have to find a way to win. Coming back 0-3 is not going to inspire your fan base, I can tell you. And by the way, the Browns were embarrassed by that loss to the Jets. They're going to be a hungry team that's got to start winning some games because they can't count on Deshaun Watson right now. And they're going to run it with Nick Chubb right at this defense and see what they can do. All right, when we get back, Bob Nightingale is going to join us, our uh, conversation with our Odyssey MLB insider. Up next, Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back with you, John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia studios on this Tuesday evening, 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 the game. I'm at JMCH316. Uh, Braves, uh, early on here, no score yet uh, against the Nationals. We'll update that here in just a second because it's already been a pitching change for the Washington Nationals. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our MLB insider for Odyssey. Bob Nightingale is joining us, and insider calls are brought to you by Driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to Driveway.com or you can get pre-qualified, buy a car, and get it delivered. And, of course, you can find Bob on Twitter at Nightingale. Bob, as always, man, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes here in Atlanta again. Yeah, my pleasure, Chuck. All right, before I get into a question, I want to ask you about the Braves. Is there a worse contract in Major League Baseball than Patrick Corbin 
who's already been pulled out of this game after 12 pitches already. He's owed $60 million by the Nationals yet for 34 losses and a 5.95 ERA in the last two years. Is there any contract in baseball worse than Patrick Corbin's right now? Well, if you're sticking to the same team, you can go to Patrick. You can go to yeah. a uh, Strasburg. Uh, uh, Strasburg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's pitched uh, 34, 33 innings since he signed for 245 million. So it's not the worst contract. Strasburg's the worst contract. Just in the same team, Anthony Rendon over the Angels. I mean, uh, he's not playing since he signed the 245 million dollar contract. So there's a bunch there's a bunch worse than Patrick Corbin, believe me. Yeah, they're they're and they all tie into the Nationals, don't they, in one form or another, it seems like. All right, Bob, I need your help with something, okay? I know you're part of the Baseball Writers Association of America. I need you to start reaching out. I'm um I'm passing the message on. I need you to reach out to all of your brethren. There has to be a split with the rookie of the year this year. Strider and Harris both have to win. And it's been done before. But I don't think that there is an argument, Bob, as to why one of those guys should finish second this year with how outstanding both of those guys have been. It's going to be a fascinating vote. I don't. I, I vote for the uh, NL MVP, so I don't have a uh, rookie vote. But it's going to be fascinating. It's so close. I mean, Harris is an everyday player. Strider is, you know, doing uh, historic things. Uh, yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. The boat. I, I would still think Harris has got a slight, slight edge, but it could go either direction. But you're right. I mean, both guys deserve it. I mean, they're going to go, they're going to finish one, two, or two, one. I said, Bob, and we're joined by our Odyssey MLB insider Bob Nightingale on the WaitFor.com hotline. I said, I don't know, a couple of months ago, that I haven't seen a rookie just blow people away since Doc Gooden. I mean, that's the last guy. And, and, you know, Fernando had a monster year, but he threw that big screwball, but he was blowing people away too. But I haven't seen a rookie since Doc Gooden just come in and blow people away. Is there anybody you can think of that, that when you think about what Strider's done, that reminds you of any other kind of rookie pitching performance? You know, uh, not top of my head, but I will say this, not not to uh, diminish what he's done, but, you know, back when Doc Gooden pitched, it was embarrassing to strike out. Nobody, you know, uh, struck out 200 times. Nowadays, guys strike out right and left. They don't care about it. So I would not compare his rookie season to Doc Gooden just because of that. You know, we're talking, uh, you know, Scherzer a few years ago is about to pass you know, Bob Gibson, you know, he had churches from St. Louis. He goes, I wish it could mean as much, but you know, guys back then were in bursts to strike out. You know, guys now are not. Bob Nightingale joining us on the waitford.com hotline. What do you make of Matt Olson? You know, on one hand, he's going to be a 30 and 100 guy. On the other hand, he's been awful here in September, and he's had some real streaks where he's been really good and really cold. What do you kind of make of, you know, and by the way, defensive war, he's actually a minus point three on the season with his defensive war rating. What do you kind of make of Matt Olson's first season in Atlanta? I think Matt's had a solid season, not a, you know, unbelievable season by any means. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman's had a better season, but Freddie's in a better lineup too. And Matt Olson with the Dodger lineup might be different. So it's been a solid season. 
you remember a lot of these guys when they change teams, it's a tough adjustment. So I still think Matt Olson is a uh, outstanding first baseman, outstanding defensive player. And you know what? You know, no matter what happens, is that they're going to remember what he does in uh, you know October, you know, and, and not what he did during the season. October is what counts. Odyssey MLB insider Bob Nightingale joining us on the WaitFor.com hotline. It really does, Bob, feel like that this division is probably going to be decided with those three games with the with the Mets and Braves, which I guess is you know pretty much everything we could want because that's the second to last series of the year for for these two teams. It does feel like it's just going to be neck and neck right down to the end of this thing. It does. I mean, uh, the uh, Braves have to sweep. To get to home, they get the uh, you know tiebreaker advantage too. So that might be a little bit tough to do that. But if they if they do that, you know, I, I think they'll win the division. I you know I predicted the uh, Atlanta win the division all along, and I still think they're going to win the World Series. You know, but we'll see. You know, the Mets are. Uh, you know, I think if Atlanta can you know force the Mets to play a wild card series, it's advantageous because then. You know, they're going to waste their first two guys in the wild card series. You know, you're not going to have both the uh, both studs in the uh, division series right away. You have a different guy starting, uh, you know, game one. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, uh, I still like Atlanta with the division. Let's uh, bounce around the league a little bit, Bob. Um, is there really – is there a really good argument to really be had about the AL MVP? I know – with Otani and Judge, and there's been a lot of Twitter chatter about all this and the other. I just look at Judge as just this is a remarkable season that he's having. And I'm not saying Otani hasn't been great, but I I, I just don't – I don't know. In my mind, I guess, I just don't know how Judge isn't the MVP of the American League. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think he should be unanimous. He's obviously not going to be. Uh, it's, a, it's the most viable player award. It's not the best – not the best player award. If it was the best player award, we would have given it to uh, Barry Bonds twenty straight years. If you go back, Chuck, I mean, uh, eighty-eight, uh, Kurt Gibson, his numbers were dwarfed by by uh, Gerald Strawberry. He won the MVP. Uh, remember when Terry Pelton won the MVP for Atlanta? Yeah, his numbers were dwarfed by Bonds too. So uh, it's you know most viable player, not best player. It was the best player. Barry Bonds should have won it every single play, every single year he played. You know, Bob, you bring up an interesting thing because I, I've always had this. I mean, the, the most famous argument is '87 when Dawson comes over to the Cubs and he goes 49 for 137. You know, playing in that outfield and on grass, and you know, was a remarkable season. But if you look, you know, Ozzie Smith for the Cardinals that year, you know, who they would eventually, you know, end up in the World Series, but. When you looked at his offensive and defensive numbers and everything, he was way more valuable than what Dawson was to a last-place Cubs team. The the pulse of the writers, do you think that there are a lot of guys who get enamored by stats or you know, are a lot of guys moving into that, look, it, it's value, not just big numbers? Well, I think too many guys are enamored with the stats. I really do. I mean, when Pendleton won it, he wasn't the best player. It was Bonds. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, Gibson was the best player. It was, it was definitely Strawberry. You know, you go on and on. But, you know, it's not the best player award. That's, you know, for the Hank Aaron Award. It's valuable. You know, with the, with the uh, Yankees being the postseason, 
you know, without Josh, uh, Judge, I don't think so. Uh, you know, the Angels would be, you know, sinking the place up whether me and you are pitching or hitting for them. So it's it's viable player work. Let's uh I want to talk about the Indians for a minute, Bob. How much of a threat are they in the American League and where does Jose Ramirez fit in the MVP discussion? Not saying he deserves to win it, but again, another outstanding season and he's one of the more underrated players, I think, in Major League Baseball. Very good. He's probably gonna finish third. Uh you can argue he's finished second, but I think with Otani and everything else. Oh, Tam will finish second. But no, the Guardians are a fabulous team. They got like 15 guys who made their major league debuts this year. I don't see them getting to the World Series. But I do see them making a nice big run in the uh, L Central like the old days and, uh, you know, winning this thing year after year. So we'll see what happens. But an uh, outstanding job and probably going to make Terry Francona the manager of the year. All right. Let me ask you this question. If. <laughs> If we're in the last handful of games, and I think the Cardinals, I I, I, can't, I I know they've got a whole bunch of games with the Pirates, and I think it's the last two series of the year is the Cardinals and Pirates. I think I think it's I think it's a, a home and home series with the Pirates. If right. if Pujols is sitting, he's at six ninety eight, and obviously you know let's say if he's six ninety eight, six ninety nine, and he goes into that that last series, the Pirates are arguably one of the three worst teams in all of Major League Baseball. I know you're probably not going to like this. Don't you have to groove a pitch to him and make sure he gets the 700? I wouldn't say you groove a pitch, but you give him a hittable pitch. Okay. You give, you know, you throw a fastball. You're not trying to be tricky or cute or anything like that. You're going to give him a chance. If he hits a home run, he does. You know, you're not going to throw a – if you can throw 95, you're not going to throw 88 miles an hour fastball. You throw your 95 mile hour fastball, but I do believe that you know, uh, you know, you give him a chance. You know, almost like Bonds, people didn't give Bonds a chance. People didn't give McGuire a chance. Then people did. McGuire hit five home runs his last three games against Montreal. So they they not saying they grew pitches, but they threw pitches they could hit out. So particularly in St. Louis, if he breaks the record in Pittsburgh, it's not going to be the same if he uh, breaks in St. Louis. Yeah, and Bob, I mean, I know there's the, you know, these unwritten rules, and trust me, I'm a 50-year-old guy, so I'm not some just, you know, just born last week kind of millennial or whatever. I mean, that's always been there in this and the other. But, look, this is this is a staggering accomplishment for this guy to be where he's at and still having the season that he is. Maybe it's not the, the proper unwritten rule thing, but it does feel like for the good of baseball, and baseball can use all the good PR that it can use because, let's face it, the, the front office of Major League Baseball is the pariah among fans that this would be the perfect topper to this regular season is for Pujols to end it on the note of 700 homers and joining that club and, and being in that group, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's really fourth of all time, but 700 is just a magic number. That'd be the most magical number in, in all of uh, sports, not just baseball. So, yeah, it'd be very cool to hit for him to hit 700. Uh, you know, big thing for them was he passed uh, A-Rod for fourth on the all-time list. But 697 is a magical number, 700 is. Last question, Bob. A lot of people looked at San Diego, you know, kind of right before the Tatis situation, suspension and all that, and said, well, this is going to be a really good team, and they can – 
cause some damage. Then if they get Tatis back, blah, 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 blah. How dangerous is San Diego, though? Like, how, how realistically in the National League? The Mets, Braves, Dodgers feel like that they're so far ahead of San Diego, St. Louis, and even the Phillies and all that, that I don't know how how far even San Diego's going to get against some of those top teams. I don't either. I just saw them for four games. You know, that, that pitching can scare you, particularly in that best of five. If they can throw a Darvish and Musgrove at you, that's a dangerous duo. You know, they still have by, uh, you know, Blake Snell uh, after that, you know, Clevenger after that. So, you know, they got a nice lineup, too. Uh, you know, Soto has not hit since he got traded. He's been a bust since he uh, traded. But they can be dangerous. Uh, St. Louis can, too. I think people are sleeping in St. Louis. Uh, they know how to win in October. Veteran group, uh, they're a scary team. So both the uh, San Diego and St. Louis are scary teams. Uh, but I'm with you. I mean, the best three teams easily are, uh, you know, Dodgers by themselves. Then, uh, you know, Atlanta and Mets grouped together. You can follow him on Twitter, at B Nightingale. He is our Odyssey MLB Insider, and Insider Crawls are brought to you by Driveway.com. Head to Driveway.com today to shop more than 25,000 new and used cars and Driveway's nationwide inventory, and he joined us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Bob, as always, appreciate it, man. Thanks uh, so much. I know we're going to be chatting pretty regularly here, so thank you so much as always. Look forward to it, Chuck. All you right, got, take care, buddy. You got All it. Right. When we get back from the top of the hour, time's for the Falcons flyover. We'll hear from the head coach, the quarterback, the wide receiver, all kinds of news and notes as well. John Chuck, we're here in the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game. Odyssey.com app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.